Greetings, my children. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I am your host and narrator, Springheeled Jack, and due to the overwhelming demand from the last couple of these that I've done, I am going to be issuing a part three of spooky, stigmatized, or otherwise slightly interesting road trip ideas for California this summer. Uh, I want to just tell everybody that's tuning back in how much I appreciate you. Uh, you guys have helped feed my massive ego to the point that I enjoy doing this. Just cause. Because of you guys. And also, if this is the first episode you're tuning into, welcome. Thank you very much for checking us out. Uh, I have an open door policy and I have an ad free guarantee. So if there's anything you want me to change, please don't hesitate to email me and I'll give you the information after the show. And if you value your time the way that I value your time, uh, please don't hesitate to give me five stars on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this podcast because it genuinely fills me with motivation to keep going. Also, Patreon is active. So if you guys want to hit me up on anthologyofhorror.com, all the links should be there. Um, if not, then I'll just shoot myself. I'm just kidding. But anthologyofhorror.com, I finally manned up and got a fucking domain name as well as a fancy corporate email account, so you guys can get in touch with me in ways other than messaging me on Instagram. Although I do appreciate the Instagram messages, please don't hesitate to get in touch via email. It is a little bit easier, and I have easier time loading it when I am uh, not near internet so with no more further ado we are back with weird california road trip ideas for this summer to see the spooky creepy and or otherwise mysterious shit in california Hey, podcast listeners, there is a podcast you will want to add to your playlist, Anthology of Horror. Anthology of Horror is a weekly, sometimes more podcast that focuses on all aspects of humanity's dark side. Anthology of Horror cover everything from cults to serial killers, monsters and cryptids to Catholic high school abstinence books. On Anthology of Horror, there is something guaranteed to frighten or intrigue everybody. Anthology of Horror can be heard on iTunes, Spotify, and most other big-name podcast sites. Make sure to share Anthology of Horror on all of your social media so your friends can discover the show, too. Anthology of Horror on iTunes, Spotify, and most other big podcast sites. Start listening right now. All right, now I'm going to take you starting to Irvine. Our first one will be a place called Black Star Canyon Road. And uh, Black Star is coincidentally... David Bowie's swan song album. Something to think about. It seems that the very moniker Black Star long ago was destined to be the name of a place that just inspired people being uneasy. The name was derived innocently enough from the Black Star Mining Company, which started operations here when a coal deposit was discovered in the canyon in 1878. Elsewhere in the area are the remains of Indian settlements with uh, ancient Batati grinding holes and uh, fire rings. Some of the oldest known establishments in California and archaeological ruins are here in Black Star Canyon. Black Star Canyon is listed as a nice day hike in Orange County uh, in the Register of Parks, but of course, the Recreation Department doesn't really admit to the strange goings-on in this tree-and-brush-choked canyon. 
Sometime in the last few decades, squatters moved in, and the authorities seemed content to let them stay. Today, however, reports from hikers and mountain bikers sound like something from Deliverance. Toothless, bearded character called Blackstar Bill accosts people he calls trespassers on the fire road and chases them away. And assorted crazies roam the area, allegedly with shotguns and a dead look in their eyes. One mountain biker warned visitors not to park on the fire road gate, lest they return to slashed tires and smashed windows. Robert Lawrence went hunting in Blackstar when he was a teenager and provided this chilling account. We got very scared and headed for the car. Before we got there, we looked up at an exposed area on the side of the canyon, and we both saw a sight that I will never forget, and we both saw the same thing. A group of some kind of creature, uh, they were all walking together. They were all black and seemed almost to walk in a formation. We were both reminded of penguins by the way that they walked. One peculiar thing was that the whole group moved in perfect unison. They headed down the hillside a ways and then stopped. After a brief interval, they all headed down the hill and stopped again. I estimated the height of these things to have been about two feet tall with an outline that suggests an upright creature, like a penguin or something. I know it sounds bizarre, but that is what they looked like. We were stupefied. And after watching these things for a while, one of us finally said that they were after us and that we needed to get the fuck out of there. We then ran to the car, fearing for our lives. But the game was not up when we got to the car, and when my friend tried to start it, nothing happened. He turned the key a few times, but nothing. And finally, it turned over uh, once or twice, and there was a loud popping noise that came from the engine compartment, followed by black smoke that drifted up from under the hood. And at this point, we were almost beside ourselves with hysteria. We opened the hood and looked at the engine, but there was no fire and nothing looked amiss. So we tried again, and it started. Uh, I call that a malfunction of the operator. So, from the gate, uh, the ride about one mile on the semi-paved road, you'll come to a fork marked by a large and very attractive septic tank. Stop here, drop off the kids, whatever. The important thing is the next stretch, because uh, you need to fucking sprint it. You head right, sprint past the house on the right. These are squatters, and they do not like visitors. Most times, they have a roadblock set up. Just get past them before they come out and throw things at you. That is an anonymous tip on hiking Black Star Canyon. Fuck people that set up roadblocks on, on country trails. I had that shit happen to me by my house when I was a teenager. Um, it wasn't my house then, it's my house now, but... Uh, fuck, man, we were driving up someplace. Admittedly, we shouldn't have been. It was private property, but we didn't know that, and it was kind of one of those local spots where it was uh, alleged to be haunted. And so we used to go up there and dick around and play, like, are you scared yet and shit, like... Because it looked like a spooky, abandoned old house. Little did we know that it was just a spooky, abandoned house that they couldn't afford the fucking electricity bill in, so they just didn't have it. <sighs> but, you know what they did have? Fucking spotlight search flashlights at the top of the hill. So when we went up there, um, we heard yelling, and we just immediately turned around and started heading back, because that place had a bit of a stigma. And as we were heading down the hill, somebody had one of those air raid siren megaphones, and somebody else was fucking hitting us with a spotlight, like the ones... Uh, I'm sure it's just the ones that they sell at Harbor Freight, but the ones that advertise themselves a tactical flashlight and they compare it to the ones that are used in uh, helicopter searchlights, it followed us down the hill and they were hitting this siren. Like, ooh, ooh. It's my siren sound. And we're going down this windy-ass hill that um, single lane, if you're lucky it's single lane, it's fucking brutal. It dirt road. Uh, now the bridge is actually washed out, but it had this really shitty old wooden bridge that was creaky as fuck and scared us like a motherfucker. So we crossed the bridge because that was like the home stretch that was there. There was a little bit more of a single car lane width 
and then we would be home free under the main drag, or at least into a parking lot that led straight to the main drag. So we uh, round the turn, and we're going straight on this single car way, and they somebody had wheeled fucking two big ass rocks into the middle of the road, where in the path of the car, and then they just stopped and fucked with us. Because once we, oh my god, fuck these people, and I'm talking about I, I um, this scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. So like this stuck with me. And later in life, I met the stupid asshole that did it, or who was in charge of the goons that did it. It was a girl named Carolyn. Fuck you, Carolyn. If you're listening to this, eat shit. And so, coming down the hill, they blocked us in, and then uh, threw on a full-blown fucking heckle of, uh, let me see your, your, your driver's license, which, of course, I didn't let them see my driver's license, but they tried, because they just looked like junkies to me. If they looked like cops I might have actually let them see my driver's license and uh, also I knew they weren't police officers or undercovers they told us they were undercovers because undercovers most likely would have stingers and not giant boulders to stop cars or guns that would be a good starting point guns usually stop teenage drivers show them a gun and a badge oh, so they, they tried to throw the heckle on us they tried to get us to come out of the car and told no no absolutely not go fuck yourself leave us alone and then uh, what were you doing up the hill what were you doing up the hill? We were driving, got lost. Why? Why were you driving up there? None of your fucking business, let us go. And then, um... It was just... It, they dicked us around for probably five minutes, and then they finally just got bored, I guess, because we weren't giving them the reaction that they wanted, but we were fucking terrified. And then, uh, they let us go. So, fuck you, Carolyn. You know exactly who you are, Carolyn. Go fuck yourself. I'm sure you remember this experience, and I am not joking. She, she and I are not friends. I did run into her later on in life, and you're still a fucking cunt. Thank you for that, guys. Um, <laughs> I would be careful bringing your dog to this place, because the dogs tend to uh, go crazy and get chased back to the car by the hillbilly dogs that are squatting there. So there's also a proper ghost story, as with most places where it seems that the public, public education system sucks ass. Uh, me and my friends went up to Blackstar to see if all the scary stories were true. And when we arrived at the trail at 8 at night, all fearing the worst, none of us wanted to get out of the car. And after a couple of trips back, we saw something weird. As we were driving to the RV area, a car stopped a couple yards behind us. And feeling that something strange was going on, we turned around. Coming back, the car continued its route as soon as it saw our headlights. Uh, wanting to know where the strange car was going, we did a U-turn and followed it. We must have been no more than six yards behind it when it vanished. And tire marks were all that appeared on the road. We were terrified. So we turned back and went home. That was sent in by somebody named Tescano. And then here's another one for Black Star. It says, Beware the Black Star Toothless. I have run into different guys that had guns and thought it would be fun to shoot off a few over our heads as warnings. Uh, the shooting happened only once, but don't go there alone just to be safe. Watch out for the toothless. Park outside the gates, never inside if they're open. Head up, past the house on the right, fast and silently. They are not squatters, but have lived there a long time, and they're armed with shotguns. Uh, beware, says Mad Jax. I would just, uh, probably pass on this fucking place, or just go with bigger guns and meaner people. That would be my first thought. <laughs> Uh, okay, so there's also stories of witchcraft that were sent in for this. 
There are stories of weird things that happen on Black Star Canyon's road in Tustin. Stories of witchcraft under the stars and, of course, KKK rituals. As with all spots where fucking toothless white people with guns hang out, start throwing around the witchcraft words, start throwing around the KKK uh, terminology. Uh, I went there on my prom night, how romantic, and was scared out of my mind. It was pitch black, I couldn't see a thing. I saw a tree off the road, painted half black and the other half white, as well as halfway underground, as a halfway underground church. Well, okay, I can just tell you, stop you right there and say half black, half white tree. There's no KKK rally going on up there, that's for sure. My friend and his buddy went there another time. There is an opening in the fence somewhere off the road that reveals a trail. The trail leads to an abandoned campfire where the suspected rituals take place. When I went there, there was still smoke coming from a fire. I had seven friends with me. We got scared and ran back to the car. What kind of car fucking you can stuff seven people in? I guess, I suppose an Escalade or something like that. Jesus Christ. Uh, when my friend went, he claimed that he was chased by a gang of guys on motorcycles. <laughs> now that I can believe. They found a cave and hid from the gang. He still says it really happens. My friend is the kind of person that would admit a joke after a few minutes. It's been three years, and he sticks to his story. Yeah, just like me and some of my buddies fucking ran him out on bikes. I could see that. Yeah, I believe the motorcycle. I don't think it was probably a gang. I think it was probably just a squad of dudes riding bikes. And they're like, man, fuck these kids. Get the fuck out of here. Or they were cyclists. I could see that. A group of guys wearing fucking spandex just running these kids down the hill. That's pretty funny. Bikers, you know? Those bikers are the fucking scourge of every major city. Kidding. Kidding. Uh, animals act human in Black Star Canyon. If that's the case, that is a very concerning legend that that plays homage to. There's a story about the Indians who used to live in the Black Hills of Orange. Why are there black, the Black Hills in every state? They say the Indians were all massacred late in the night by Spanish soldiers. Now people say that there are angry spirits, and when you walk along Black Star Canyon Road, you feel as if somebody's watching you. One day, after eating dinner with some folks, we were walking around Black Star, and so we all drove out to the canyon. We parked our cars on the side of the road because the entrance is blocked, so you have to walk to get in. We were there for no more than 30 minutes, and it started to feel as if we were being watched. So we made it to the beginning of a small hill, and then we heard a noise. It sounded like a heavy thumping on the ground, like somebody was bouncing a basketball on a sidewalk. Then... Up this hill, we saw a dark figure making its way down to us swiftly. We all freaked out and ran out of there as fast as we could. And on the way out of the car, we felt like something was watching us leave the canyon. It was pretty fucking creepy. People have said that animals act as if they are human, making odd noises, and they act like they are immortal. Nothing hurts some of them, and the crows will follow you. Local legend also says there are devil worshippers who roam the canyon roads, and there are Homemade, no trespassing signs at the beginning of some trails. Thank you, Pamela S. Richardson, for your entire name. Uh, I, I'm sure in your hometown there's a spot where I don't know what goes on up there at night, but I heard that they worship the devil and, you know, sacrifice goats and shit. There's a spot like this in every town. There's it's just the spot that has a stigma from whenever that's stuck and then the, the rumors got disproportionately larger over time um, and until they were blown out of proportion and then local legends are fun nobody wants to debunk those if they know the truth yeah, I kind of do I enjoy debunking but I'm just a douchebag it's like like somebody that has a really bad reputation and you meet them and they're like the nicest person ever such as myself um it just, it's bat fucking rumors that perpetuate, and the stories are so much fun, you just don't want to dispel them. 
Such, I believe, is the case with Old Black Star Canyon. Uh, there's no shortage of stories that are written by illiterate fucking goofballs that I found on the internet, and there's also no shortage of well-written... No, there's a huge shortage of well-written stories about this place, but it seems like there's a common theme. Don't go knocking on people's doors, don't say what's up to the hillbilly, and don't park in somebody's driveway. Seems fair. And here's another story about that place. This story is about Black Star Canyon in Southern California. In order to get there, you have to keep driving down Chapman until you pass the Redneck Houses. Then drive for miles until you reach a barren area at the foot of the hills. At that point, the road will have slimmed down to barely a two-way street. One late night, a carload of us went driving up there because we heard about Black Star from so many people. It wasn't the driver's first time, so he knew his way around. We kept driving and driving, anticipating any weird things we might come across. The headlights were our only source of light from fucking miles, and the closer to the mountain we got, the more visible a large white cross embossed on the mountain became. Supposedly, it's the mark of the KKK Klansmen who have their headquarters there. For fuck's sake. I don't know anything about the Klan, but I don't think that they, uh... It's not, I don't know if it's a secret society type thing. I was under the impression that they just openly recruited people. I don't know. It's not really a... Not really a thing out here, but I've read enough about them. It's, they're not hiding from anything. So I don't know why they'd have their headquarters secretly located in the foothills of fucking Black Star Canyon. Not really paying attention to which way we were going, we ended up going down a street that led further into the canyon. Because we were on edge, we couldn't help but pay attention to the small details of our surroundings. I noticed that the trees were moving a lot more than they should have been. Okay, fuck ass. There were... there... There were no winds that chilly summer night, and it was as if people were running alongside us to catch up with us, and as an effect, the branches close to eye level were shaking really violently. What it sounds like to me is nothing scary happened at this point, but I'm trying to fill up an entire page with a story that I'm writing for a competition, that, and the story has to be a page. Okay, so nothing scary. Uh, it was really terrifying. We reached the end of the road, and there was enough dirt at the shoulder to make a U-turn finally. You just said you said it was a two-road, fucker. Why can't you turn around? It was a two-lane. Couldn't you turn there? You guys, uh, y'all were drunk. Mid-U-turn, we acknowledged that there was a noose hanging above the ground, and it looked like it had been there for a while. It wasn't over a platform or anything. We lowered our tinted windows, got a better look, noticed a very strong burning smell, like something was on fire. None of us could identify it, so we pulled out of there, didn't even slow down. I ran over a rabbit that darted across the road every other mile or so, and in order to get back to the actual Black Star Road, we crossed over a small, feeble bridge that rested at the Dead Shallow Canyon. Just as we crossed, my cousin saw a big, black coal rock next to the damaged Black Star Street sign, and it was so out of place and stood out that my cousin made my sister get out of the car and pick it up because he wanted to take it home. He asked me at first, but I couldn't even move because I was so scared, and there was no way I was getting out. And after that... He had the worst luck. He lost his apartment, his girlfriend dumped him, and big problems surfaced at work. Plus, his mom got really sick, all within a week. After he took the rock back to where he found it, everything seemed to go back to normal. From B.B. Agachi. Um, well, I don't know about all that. That seems like every bad stereotype of a local legend rolled into one. Although, as far as people, like, leaving fucked up shit in, in backcountry places or desolate areas, I was the... It was the worst timing ever for one of those type goofy-ass pranks. I was the victim of that once. I'd been lost in the foothills by my house. I was fucking around with a buddy, and we were just uh, hiking around, just looking around for... Uh... There was allegations of a gold mine in the hills that was uh, not so much lost as it was forgotten. And he and I had heard it growing up, 
like I said, I think I've told this story before, but not knowing that there was a specific name you had to look up online and you could find everything you ever wanted to know about it because we never heard what it was called. Um, we found like these straps of old miners' notebooks and shit and put it together for ourselves without knowing the name of the place because we still hadn't found that. And we tried this really treacherous route to get there because unbeknownst to us, there was a blazed trail that went straight to it from the other side of the hill. But So we came in from the incline like 10 miles back <laughs> slid down the incline, both got hurt like a motherfucker. Uh, he hit, rocked himself on a fucking rock, hit his head. As, I thought he was dead. We slid down this mountainside, and I, he rolled, and he rolled headfirst into a rock and just kind of laid there, and I thought he was dead. And then I got my foot smashed in between two rocks, and we were, long story short, we were lost for 10 hours, or we thought we were lost for 10 hours because cell phones ran out of battery, there was no service. We found the mine, but... Everything went wrong from that point forward. We kept just walking in huge circles. Um, we kept falling because it was the middle of the night. It was also winter time, and it had just fucking had a torrential downpour recently. So the river was swollen, or the creek was swollen, I suppose, and it was freezing cold. Uh, that was a fun experience. That was the one time in my life I've ever called and told people where I was going and how I was going there and gave them coordinates to where I parked and where I was trying to go. And before my phone died, I sent the text, uh, the word lost to my mother and ex-girlfriend at the time. And I mean, we were together at the time, but one word lost. And it sent to each of them 87 times. And then when I got home, eventually we found our way back by ourselves with, without the help of fucking anybody. Cause fucking thanks guys. Uh, I got a text from my mom, at least she responded, that said, Where are you? Thanks. And then uh, when I got home, ex-girlfriend was passed out, face down on the couch. Drunk. Thanks, guys. So, that was my fun little experience. Oh, oh but anyway, I forgot the full fucking point of that story. As, as we were uh, finally f just despairing, we figured that if we just got soaked up to our dicks in this creek water that was freezing cold and walked out that way, just waded out. We knew that the creek ran all the way pretty much into Los Angeles, so we fucking got in the creek, uh, just up to, like, the tip of my dick. Sorry for the visual, guys. Uh, it was above knees, and it was freezing cold, and so we were soaked. And then we got to a spot where it looked like there was a cleared-off trail, and it kind of veered off from the stream into this, like clearing, I guess, of really thick trees and brush. And uh, if you guys have seen Alice in Wonderland, the, the signs that this way, that way, up, down, side to side, and there's arrows pointing everywhere and different confusing, contradicting directions. Somebody had done that with laminated paper in the fucking clearing. So it said, almost there. Where are you? Over there, up here, down there. And there were fucking arrows pointing everywhere. And, uh, oh my god, I thought we were getting punked. I was so so off-put, it was terrifying. And, like, come to think of it, if I went back there and saw that during the daytime and was looking for it, that would be a badass, like, photo op. That's fucking cool, and I'm certain that's what it was. It was probably for that. But in the middle of the night, after we'd been lost for 10 hours, we were just fucking bent. It's like, what the fuck is this shit? Fuck you. And, um, so I always appreciate it when people leave weird shit. And then I went back there a couple months later, and I couldn't find the Alice in Wonderland clearing, but I did find the thong tree, which was exactly what I said, and that was 
a tree that somebody hung their thong on and left it there. And I don't mean thong like your parents' beach sandals. I mean thong like the thing that goes up your ass or whoever's ass. And then, uh, yeah, leaving scary shit on trails. It's, uh, I don't like littering, but it's sometimes interesting to see how people vandalize public parks and deface government property. Don't do it. It's not an encouragement to go do it. Also, stop stacking fucking rocks, man, please. You're driving, you drive people crazy. Nobody sees you doing it, and yet can't walk five feet without tripping over a fucking trade tower of rocks and uh, falling. Maybe it's just an L.A. thing where they do them in the middle of the trail, like it's fucking adorable and everybody loves them. We don't, you're not sculpting, bro. Please do those either nowhere, ideally, or off the side of the trail. Thank you. But... I'm not very nice, whatever. All right, this is another place. Back to my California haunts and hangouts and spooky trips for the summer. I've been ranting today. I was in a bit of a mood. I'm sorry. Uh, This one is called the Batty Bridge. Most folks think that bat colonies reside in dark caves far from civilization. But the furry flying mammals often make do with anything that looks promising. Up Santiago Canyon Road towards Black Star Canyon, an unused concrete bridge spans the blacktop just after the exit for Irvine Lake. Built as a temporary thoroughfare for construction, the bridge was on the brink of destruction when it was discovered that a colony of Mexican free-tailed bats had made their summer home and nursery beneath the span. A stay of demolition was issued in April 2004, and four months later, Orange County Supervisor William Campbell moved to have the structure set aside as a permanent bat roost and part of Bat Country Trail System. Thanks, Bill. The bridge is the only one over the road, and it's easy to spot. And some 1,500 bats have made their home here from spring through fall when they migrate south. It's hard to believe that these cute little critters can get a good day's sleep with helicopters and diesel trucks going over them every few minutes. But they seem content to chitter and chirp away in the crevices running under the bridge. Look for two wide lines of bat shit marking the road, and watch out lest you get hit by bat shit. Black Star Canyon is reached by exiting the Costa Mesa Toll Road, Highway 55, at Santiago Canyon Road. Turn left at Silverado Canyon Road. Uh, for what it's worth, despite the fact that the toll roads have nobody working in the booth, they still will charge you. It's witchcraft how they get your address, but they do, and they will charge you. Word to the wise, don't take the toll roads. Or if you do, just throw $5 in there and fucking hope for the best. All right, now let's talk about Pachico Pass and the curse of the alleged Pachico Pass. So take extreme care when seeing this Santa Clarita County mountain pass by car. It's one of the deadliest stretches of highway in California. Drivers usually blame the hazards of the winding hill-shadowed road that links Highway 5 and the 101. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay, this is, this is brutal. And bottlenecks the traffic going either way. But there may be a spookier explanation for the road's numerous accidents and goddamn close misses. Long before road rage became a pervasive symptom of our auto-based society, Pachico Pass has a reputation for provoking unexplained paranoia and violence from drivers. Yeah, that's totally what makes me mad. Highway patrolmen who cruised the pass had broken up many bumper-tagging wars and uh, roadside fistfights and ticketed countless kamikaze-like drivers who tore through heavy traffic at near-suicidal speeds. It seemed as if people were afraid of the pass and wanted to get out of it as quickly as possible. 
back to the safety of the big interstate. Something about back roads, man, just can be spooky. So, writing about Pachico Pass and haunted houses of California, a woman named Antoinette Mary said that she and many other sensitive types, not sensitive like safe space sensitive, sensitive like clairvoyant, uh, had experienced intense feelings of panic, menace, and dread there. They also have visions of marauding Indians, bloody battles between Mexicans and American settlers. She wrote that after she had a particularly traumatic experience in this past, she looked into the area's history, and throughout most of the 19th century, Pachico Pass was the scene of tremendous violence among those who wanted to claim the territory as their own. Highway robberies and public hangings were also right there in the old days. So the turbulent region might have absorbed what ghost hunters call an energy implant, which is a sort of negative emotional and spiritual residue left over from the bloodshed and tragedy that wrecked the land, or whatever you believe in, so on and so forth. Whether caused by ghosts, a curse, an energy implant, or just the linking of the two huge freeways with such a narrow space, the wild ride through Pachico Pass is a grim reminder of the violent, dangerous emotions that can break out even in our laid-back state. Um, Clearly, this woman does not live in Los Angeles, because there is no laid-back state in Los Angeles, and if she did, she'd know that every road is like this. Doesn't matter where. <sighs> I've found that as far as mountain roads go, to north is by far the worst, which I believe I'll be covering. I think it's on my itinerary, or my fucking to-do list, my itinerary for today. Anyway, but until then, let's talk about the phantom Indians that still battle on Whitney Portal Road. Here in the shadow of Mount Whitney in Lone Pine lie the Alabama Hills. Oh man, it's beautiful up here. For being so close to fucking Palmdale and shit, it's beautiful. A range of red sandstone cliffs and crags often uses the backdrop for western movies is the scenery here. The setting is highly appropriate for Hollywood's frontier epics. In the late 1860s, the region was torn apart by battles between white settlers and the Paiute Indians. The army was called in, and its camp was in the Alabama Hills, at what is now Whitney Portal Road, and it was attacked several times by infuriated Native Americans defending their spiritual birthright grounds. Right? In the 1960s, a woman living on the road who had never heard of the region's bloody history was preparing dinner one evening when she heard gunfire coming from a nearby creek. Uh, looking out the kitchen window, she saw a black man dressed as an Indian warrior, and he glanced back at her for a moment, then shouldered his rifle and looked forward. Several Indian companions near him crouched behind a fallen tree, and they fired their rifles and fell back to reload. The battle raged on for 15 minutes or so, Yet not one bullet hit the woman's house. Then all of a sudden, they disappeared and the air was silent. The woman rushed to her neighbor's house with the story. They believed her, having heard similar stories about phantom skirmishes along that road. Records show that the spot where the Indians stood had witnessed countless ambushes and firefights between natives and the U.S. Army. As for the spectral black Indian, he was probably one of the many ex-slaves who had joined the native tribes, preferring their way of life to the alleged civilized white folk. Oh, here's another fun one. As far as shit that makes no sense, as far as California architecture goes, bridges that serve absolutely no goddamn fucking purpose, and well, they serve a purpose when it comes time to explain the fiscal budget to the town council. Where did all of our money go? Why do you need more for next year? Oh, we built this big-ass goddamn bridge. Where? Don't worry about it. It's a big bridge, though, and one day it'll be fucking useful. So can we have uh, the exact budget this year? 
that we had last year, plus a little? Yeah, I think so. That's fine. Because if you don't use it, you lose it with city planning, if I'm not mistaken. So, okay, never mind. Just, <laughs> I'm ranting again. Bad mood, bad mood. The bridge to nowhere rises out of nothingness in the great voids of the Azusa Canyons in a weird structure that has come to be called the bridge to nowhere. Because it's a bridge and it doesn't go anywhere. That's, get the clever naming there? An account of the oddball history behind the strange bridge can be found posted on the internet by Christopher E. Christopher E. Brennan on dankat.com slash mstorywise. Yeah, fuck you. Look it up yourself. The bridge to nowhere is one of the most bizarre artifacts to be found in the San Gabriel Mountains. That's not true, brother. Back in the 1920s, Los Angeles County planned to build a highway all the way from the East Fork Canyon to the Mine Gulch Junction. I know exactly where both those places are. From there, the road would climb over the Blue Ridge and down into Wrightwood. It would be among the most scenic roads in America. Construction began in 1929, and most of the work being done by county prison work crews. Uh, yet slavery was already illegal. Chain gangs, I, I never understood how that circumvented the slavery laws, but what do I know? Just because they pay you 30 cents a day doesn't mean it's not slave labor. By the mid-1930s, the highway had reached the Narrows, which was 2,800 feet, where the East Fork flows through a very deep gorge, the deepest in Southern California. And though it's necessary to construct a concrete bridge above the high waters of the gorge, a tunnel was also chiseled out of sheer rock. However, the winter after this was difficult, and construction had to be completed. An unprecedented storm arrived on March 1st through 2nd, 1938, depositing many inches of rain in the San Gabriel Mountains. The result was a tremendous flood that roared down the East Fork, completely obliterating everything in its path, including more than five miles of the painstakingly constructed highway. Bummer. Only the bridge was high enough above the water to be virtually unscathed. The futility of the project having been so empathetically demonstrated, uh, the county abandoned their plans, <laughs> leaving a brand new concrete road bridge standing alone in the middle of the wilderness more than five miles from the nearest fucking highway became a popular destination for hikers who dubbed the thing the Bridge to Nowhere. Once again, because it's a bridge and it doesn't go anywhere. Clever, right? So, in Azusa Canyon, it was famous for being a dead body drop for the mafia, cults, and you name it. See, it's cults again. The cults and militant white people. Same everywhere. Uh, the, yeah, let's see, it's located by a four to six hour hike I don't know about you guys, but schlepping a fucking dead body six hours up a mountain to a bridge just to throw it into a gorge that's 2,800 feet? What? Makes no sense to me. Uh, yeah, four to six hour hike up, hike up a river, and after the end of the East Fork Road cul-de-sac, the bridge is a full-on cement monster with two supposed tunnels on opposing sides that can join two hillsides. How far the tunnels go into the hillside, I cannot say. What is known is that for... The amount it costs to build the monster, it seems weird that there are no roads leading to or from it. Uh, many roads travel through the canyon, but little by little they are being shut down to cars. Uh, hikes and bikes are still allowed for those who are daring enough. There is a road that was closed off very early due to the rains and rock slides that are common in the canyon. This road, called Shoemaker Road, might have been the road that led to the bridge to nowhere. Other roads, like Azusa itself, hold great mystery. A boulder trashed Azusa Canyon Road at its highest point, and it's been swallowed into the road, creating a blocked, single-lane, disgusting fucking nightmare. Uh, many of the roads in this canyon are open only seasonally because of the rock slides. If you're lucky, they're open seasonally. 
and many people die here each year. That is a concerning amount of people die on these backcountry roads every year. Uh, the last time I read the stats for Highway 2, which was the one that I was swearing by earlier, it was seven people a month, which is quite a few. That's two a week-ish. I don't math very good, but it's uh, quite a few. My best friend my best friend was one of those who fucking died on the two. Uh, the canyon is vast enough that the bodies can never be found. Uh, okay. The whole area is laced with secrets and unexplained mysteries. We departed East Fort Cul-de-Sac at 10.48 on our rough trip to the Bridge to Nowhere. Uh, I was with my friend, Farmer, and I knew we were in for a bit of a hike. And as we traveled over rocks, large and small trails, steep cliffs, the bridge itself is five miles into the canyon. However, the many obstacles that lie in your way make this trip a treacherous seven miles over severe terrain. It was much longer and more exhausting than either of us would have thought, and with just two beers, fucking idiots, a bag of pretzels and one canteen of water, the sun was wasting us. The longer we traveled, the more our thirst grew, because you're drinking something that dehydrates you, you stupid fuck. You don't just go to the bridge of nowhere and take pictures of yourself next to it to look cool. You've been beaten to a pulp upon arrival, and the return trip is twice as exhausting if you go back the same way from whence you came. One of the things about this exhausting trip is once you're on the bridge, all your problems, everything that you struggle with your life seems small, and anything seems possible, like ending all those troubles by throwing yourself off the fucking bridge. Excuse me. The feeling of accomplishment is difficult to describe. You'll never be this beautiful again. You'll never be in this place the same ever again. So, uh, hop off the bridge. I'm the most beautiful I'm ever going to be right now. I can't remember the Achilles quote, but uh, don't throw yourself off bridges, please. One of the things about this exhausting trip is once you are on the bridge, yeah, your problems, blah, 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 thank you, fucking testicles, the philosopher. The edge goes on for another 400 feet, narrow path, severe, steep gorge. Standing on the bridge, it's about three, maybe 400 foot drop. The gorge is narrow, and the only way to continue on the road would be a tunnel. The image that I'm looking at right now is just an example of the terrain. Uh, this was The image that I'm looking at was taken in the 1930s, so the terrain doesn't look that bad. The bridge is fresh, the terrain is smooth, whatever. Alright, here's another one. This is another uh, one of those local fuckers that I know about, and I don't understand this one at all. So, oh, no, this is a different one. My mistake. Oh, it's all-encompassing. I'm sorry. Forgive my, my illiteracy. Gravity Hills. Debate rages among believers and skeptics about the phenomenon of Gravity Hills, where cars placed in neutral seemingly roll up the slope backwards. Or forwards. They roll up the slope. Scores of these roadbed oddities are located in California. One is probably near you. Locals and visitors pepper the locations with stories of tragedy that just ratchet up the weirdness a few notches, and I'm sure there's fucking dead skinheads up there too, and fucking KKK rallies because it's supernatural magnetism. Uh, and Violent J from the Insane Clown Posse shot a music video there talking about magnets, and it's all fucking synchronicities, man. Synchronicities. Fucking lizard people planned it, man. So among the numerous mystery hills that does not... or that, that dot this great land in, of California is the Santa Cruz Mystery Spot, which actually, I've been there, I love that place, I can't explain anything that goes on there. Located on a steep hillside in the mountains east of Beachside Town, a former FBI special agent named Walter Bosley says that the place was his favorite with the Russian agents and mafiosos that he was assigned to follow. 
We didn't see anybody with Russian accents at the Gravity Hills we tested, but perhaps it's just a matter of time before secret meetings and deals are consecrated in cars slowly rolling up the hills in remote locations. One of the most persistent legends associated with many of the hills is the school bus tragedy, which many of you may have seen in that movie, uh, Trick or Treat. Katie relates to the typical story on the message boards about uh, this phenomenon, or this old scary story. I live in Southern California, and there is a gravity hill in my Moore Park town. Oh my god, it's another English as a second language one, apparently. The story goes, a group of kids was on a school bus going in a field trip when the bus suddenly broke down. Some of the kids decided to got out and push the bus up the hill, but when they did not, it rolled back and crushed them, killing them instantly. Now when you park your car there, supposedly the kids will push your up the hill. Thank you, the lighthouse. Well written. Um... And here's another one from Daryl, who posted a different, I'm certain, very well-written rendition of that story. Not so long ago, there was a bus filled with fifth graders on the way down Patterson Pass to drop off a child at his house down the road. Their bus got stuck going up the hill, so the kids got out to push, and the gravity forced the bus backwards, and before the kids knew it, they were crushed. There is a road farther down named after the children. The road name is Don't Forget Us. You can check that out and verify it, too. Wow, that's spooky. Well written, Daryl. Oh, more from Daryl. A fun way to test the theory of the helpful children has been making the rounds for years. Dust the rear or front, depending on the direction of the roll of the car with baby power or powder or flour before the emergency brake is released. As the legend says, fingerprints will show up. These are supposed to be the prints left by the children from beyond, who are trying to save you from a fiery fate, but realistically they're just the fingers of the homeless guy that's trying to break into your trunk while you're being an idiot. Uh, according to Daryl, he tried this and found out our own prints were on the car, but maybe he, uh, just doesn't have the right mojo. Hardy poopers have an explanation for anti-gravity hills. <laughs> uh, a few of them have actually examined the mounds with carpenter's tools, topographical maps, and even laser beams. They contend that the effect is an illusion caused by the lack of visual cues or the presence of erroneous ones. They usually tell us when we are going up or down, which are uh, just like signs, you know, the, the lean of a tree or whatever. Gravitational anomalies, they say, are almost always located in areas where the horizon is obscured. That's like when you get far more seasick, too, when you're out to sea and you can't see the horizon. And trees or other objects in the area are not exactly vertical. Okay, so I was right. This seemingly reassuring explanation does nothing to prepare one for the real experience of rolling uphill seemingly in a car. Southern California's Gravity Hills are many, and Weird California, the book, has test tested three of them that seem to work. Remember to try this early in the morning or very late at night when traffic is light, and you may be less likely to encounter other drivers doing the same stupid dog shit as you, putting their car in neutral and hoping that they roll uphill. Because it always seems to roll downhill when they don't have insurance. Um, or the police often hang out there too, who apparently frown on this sort of uh, recreation, because... Uh, you know, you're rolling backwards into potentially oncoming traffic. Or, or not, but... There is... San Diego Sorrento Drive is one of them. La Jolla West Muirlands Drive. Also in San Diego, there's one in Altadena. What the fuck? Apparently there's one by my house. 
Exit Lake Avenue, north from Route 134, right on East Altadena Drive, left on Porter, then uphill to East Loma Alta Drive. Okay, go left again, and after a couple of dips, the road curves to the right, and a flood-controlled spillway appears on the left. Alright. Stop in front of it, the first house on the right, the car rolls backwards uphill. The same effect can be observed on the other side of the street, but not as pronounced. The strange thing about this is there are not nearly as many visual clues in this direction. Um, okay, this is two minutes away from my house. I'm going to do this probably tonight, so I will let you know maybe. Um, then there's a whole bunch of dumb shit testimonies that I am not going to read. And then, oh my god, there are quite a few of these. Oh man, alright, let's see. I'm just going to list off the cities real quick. There's one in Los Angeles, San Diego. Um, San Diego, San Bernardino, Altadena, another one in Altadena? Are you fucking kidding me? Loma Alta again. Huh, alright. Antioch, Corona, Devor, Jamul, um, hmm, Moreno Valley, San Bernardino, Whittier. That's all you're getting from that shit. Fucking, God. Fucking Gravity Hills. If I hear any more about Gravity Hills or Enchanted Forest, I'm gonna fucking off myself. Uh, or if I hear any more about the Psyche... <laughs> if one more person... I know you guys mean well. I genuinely appreciate the... the fucking feedback. I know a lot of my listeners are from the LA area. There was never a psychiatric hospital under Suicide Bridge. There was a sanatorium for disturbed World War I veterans. It was a PTSD hospital in what is now the Federal Court of Appeals. It's still there. It was never a sanatorium, and it was never under Suicide Bridge. That never happened. I will not be covering it because it doesn't exist. Believe me, I wanted to. Not there. It's, uh, if, if you're on the 210, and you're about to get off at Orange Grove, look to the right. You'll see Suicide Bridge, and you'll see up towards the horizon on the left that big old fucking looking building. That is the Federal Court of Appeals. That is where it used to be. You're welcome. It was a shell shock hospital. Which is terrifying, and I believe it was also a tuberculosis ward during the war, if memory serves. Which, sometimes it doesn't. But it, it was definitely both of those at some point. Talk about the twisting and turning Snake Road. Which, uh, we were corrected, is not in fact called Snake Road, but it's called channel road and just nicknamed snake because it it twists and turns we'd heard about the haunting and uh we really didn't know that much about it not as much as we thought at least but when we were talking to this police officer from the city he said it doesn't matter if you know about it or not kids go up there anyway and they race up and down all hours of the night generally causing a ruckus and headaches for cops but he said as long as we promise not to do that he would tell us where it was. So he gave us exact directions to the area, wished us luck. Uh, he didn't know if anybody had been killed in a wreck there or not, but he knew of the area. If the officer had checked the records, he might have encountered the story of a woman who somehow lost control of her car and plunged into the King's River sometime in the not-too-distant past. The woman drowned, and her two daughters riding in the back seat were swept farther downstream by the car and also perished. Now, she is said to wander the road at night, mourning and calling for her lost children. La Llorona. Llorona, Juan. The old Hispanic tale of the crying woman who haunts the banks of the creeks and rivers is given a new twist in California. 
Ah, what many would say this was Mexico. Not going to get into that. Channel Road is not easy to find, even when you have directions or GPS. The county lines began innocently enough uh, among swaying eucalyptus trees and neatly planted orange groves at the intersection of Annandale Avenue, but soon devolves into a nightmare of hairpin turns that would tax the most sober of drivers. The most confusing aspect about this drowned woman story is that King's River is not exactly next to Channel Road. It's a vast sewage treatment ponds and marshes along, oh, I know exactly where this is, along its lower reaches, and the channel that gives the road its name appears to have been long ago hidden behind long chain-link fences about two miles further east from the channel intersection. Uh, but two miles or so down, Annadale Avenue does indeed cross the river, and perhaps the ghostly wanderer is looking in an area where her daughters may have been washed ashore downstream. Although the road is not especially ominous during the daylight hours, we did spot something weird and disturbing near the southern end of the street, and that was somebody... Uh, seemingly had killed two large crows and tied them to a fence right at eye level with their wings spread and their heads twisted. Whether this was part of some elaborate ritual or kids fucking around or a warning to other crows or a macabre teenage prank, it wasn't clear, but they were, it was definitely creepy and suddenly everything on that road became terrifying. Across the street was a house with old cars on the lawn and scores of cheap plastic toys just thrown all over the yard, which not really a place that I would want to arrive unannounced at to ask about ghostly crow mutilations. Yeah, um, usually door knocking in these places is not a good idea. So, my ghostly encounter happened last year. Here's a story about Snake Road. My ghostly encounter happened last year. One day, my cousins told me about the road that they believed to be haunted. It's located in the town of Sanger. I'll admit I was a little intrigued, but highly skeptical, and after much pleading and begging by my cousins, my friends and I said we would drive them down and see what we could find. We set off at about 9 p.m. After about an hour of driving low on gas and frustrated about not being able to find the fucking road, we decided to head home. Yeah, when going gets tough, fucking quit. It was on that point that I realized I had no idea where I was, and I figured that since I lived south of Sanger, I would take the road that went in that direction. Logic. Logic. I turned onto the first street that I came onto. We were on the road for approximately two minutes when my cousin, who had fallen asleep in the back, suddenly woke with a start. She started whimpering at first, saying she was scared and wanted to go home. I said, silence, bitch. Uh, a few minutes later, she began yelling and screaming for us to hurry up and get out of where we were. I assumed that's what we were trying to do. Or I assured her that's what we are trying to do, but there was no calming her down. I sped up, and I was probably going about 65 on this dark country road. Up ahead, 50 yards in front of us or so, I saw a small patch of fog. I say fog, my friend says it was an apparition. Uh, my cousin said it was a cloud of vape juice, or a vape smoke. I slowed down as I came close to it, but as soon as I got closer, it began to evaporate. And by the time I came upon it, I was probably going 15 miles an hour. By the time I reached it, it was gone. I was about to speed up when I noticed a faded sign that said, Dangerous Curves Ahead. Oh my god, that would be a fucking hilarious photo shoot sign. Uh, a sign that I probably would not have seen if I had continued at the rate of speed I was going. And in the back of my mind, I thought, could this be Snake Road? but quickly dismissed the thought because the road so far had been pretty straight, but the sign didn't lie. About a quarter mile up, suddenly I came upon a series of sharp, twisting turns. They went on for about three miles when the road finally straightened out. I drove about another two miles, and then I noticed some blinking red lights up ahead. I told my friend to look and see if the street name was visible, and maybe we could have some idea of where we were. I'll never forget the look on her face when we got close enough to see the sign. 
and the color seemed to have drained from her face. She said it was Channel Road. Yeah, that actually made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I am skeptical no more. I do believe wholeheartedly that the apparition we saw was that young mother, and I do not believe that she was there to scare us, but quite contrary, I do believe she saved our lives because had she not appeared before us, I would not have slowed down, but would have missed the sign and continued on the high rate of speed I was going and probably eaten shit off one of the curves. I would have missed the faded sign, uh, would have hit the dangerous curves at breakneck speed, and to have suffered the same fate as the young woman and her two daughters. Wow. I have a story like that. Um, not quite that dramatic, but that was by Tara Fletcher. Thank you very much, Tara. That was the first scary story that I've read all day. God damn. That scared the shit out of me. So... I'm going to punish you with my story because I'm the one with the microphone, so you're going to listen to everything I have to say. Thank you very much, also, for tuning in, by the way. I hope you've enjoyed our ad-free listening experience so far. Because I value your time. I don't have any advertisers, and also because I am a public relations nightmare. Nobody will sponsor me. Not that I've looked, but if, uh, <laughs> if I applied for sponsorship or whatnot, I probably wouldn't get it. Okay. I do this for you, BB. All right. So my story was I was riding. I, I used to used to ride a motorcycle. I don't ride anymore, but I used to. And um, I had ridden up to Yosemite with my my uncle and fuck. Sorry, I had ridden up to Yosemite with my uncle, and uh, there were a couple of cars that had gone up with us for cousins and girlfriends and shit. And uh, we had been up there for a few days, riding around, and pretty much instant-free. And so we were coming back, and my uncle and I split off at this point in, um... It's... Oh my god, alright. For those of you that have never been to California, there is a point on the backside of the mountains of L.A. where every major freeway seems to just want to fuck you in your ass, and they all meet in this clusterfuck 12-lane interchange that is always moving about 10 miles an hour, regardless of what time you go. Uh, to, if, say, you're trying to go to Pasadena, you got to get all the way right after you've been all the way left by the freeway you were on. <sighs> it's a nightmare. The 395, the 15, the 138, oh, man, the 134, the 118, the 5, the 210. <laughs> they all fucking... I know, I realize that they're not all within that same interchange, but you start moving around for them at the same spot. It's a fucking train wreck, and I hate that intersection. And my uncle was just, he just wanted to go home. So I think we kind of just waved at each other. He was like, I'm just going to keep going. And I told him I was going to pull off uh, and take the the over, overland pass. going to go on the mountain road. And we had discussed it earlier, so we split off at this fucking death trap of a junction. So... I had gotten gas on my motorcycle in Mojave, which is two or three towns out of the, uh, where the fucking, the freeway on-ramp is for the Overland Pass, but it's, you know, pretty hefty amount of miles, maybe a hundred miles, and, um, maybe 80, I don't know, thereabouts. So I had filled up, and I had a two and a half gallon tank and a half gallon reserve tank, and I had a fuel-injected bike, so what that means for you, those of you that don't know is that I had a fuel gauge, not, not, um, not a meter telling me how much fuel I had left, but I had a light that would go on and tell me when I was about to run out, which was a fucking lifesaver because most bikes don't have that. So when I was on my reserve tank, I'd get a red light that would kick on, and then I was like, you need to get to a gas station right now because you can only get a certain amount of miles before you're fucked, completely fucked. 
Um, the most I'd ever gotten on a full tank using the reserve, using the full tank, I believe was 110 miles at this time. Because I, I kind of rode aggressively. Whatever, fuck it, I liked going fast. So, um, 110 city miles, let's say, and then 116 on highways. Wasn't much of a difference, because I just rode like an asshole all the time, but... So anyway, I, uh, I get to this road, and I should have stopped and gotten gas in Palmdale, but I was tired, I just didn't want to fucking deal with it. Palmdale's the last city before this road picks up, and once you get on this road, there's nothing. That's just mountainous road and people that love riding or driving completely up your ass because they're still LA drivers and they're still stupid but you're on a mountain road and they don't know what they're doing or they do know what they're doing and they're doing it much faster than you anyway so I round onto this fucking on ramp for the overland pass and um, it doesn't turn into the two north until you cross over the mountain so it was the I think it was highway 138 pear blossom I'm on that and I'm moving, and the second that I get just out of cell phone range, of course, my fucking red light turns on. Like, you motherfucker, you gotta be kidding me. So I look down, and, uh, since I, I would reset my, uh, my mile counter every time I'd refuel, so I could keep track of my, uh, my miles per gallon, and, uh, it said 110. And I was like, oh my god, I'm fucked. So, I had two choices. Um, well, I had three choices. The first which which was I pulled over, looked at my cell phone, no service. So I had two choices now, and it was either go back the way I came, and I knew for a fact it was probably about 10 miles to a gas station, take my chances that way, or I could just see how far I got on this mountain road and hope for the best, and if I ran out of gas, I knew where all the ranger stations were. I could just walk there and, like, go to the ranger station and offer my fucking wonderful skills as a photographer for... Or cash for gas, I suppose. I did have money. I don't know why I didn't think of that first. So I've never had a bad experience with the rangers up there, really. So I, I knew that if I was fucked, at least I knew where people were. And also, if I was really fucked, I've spent enough time up there. I know that, like, some of the encampments where some of the people stay, like, I know people up there that would have definitely given me a ride to a gas station. Fucking reliable. Um, I've spent a lot of time in backcountry. You get to know same faces. You see them a lot. Mm, you see them a lot more than you would see strangers when you frequent similar spots in backcountry with a some like a semblance of frequency. So anyway, um, fucking light turns on, and uh, I didn't change my riding style. I didn't alter the way that I was riding just for fear that it would fuck everything up. And so I was just determined. I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to see how far I can get. That was my choice. I'm just going to try to make it up. If I can make it up this hill, perhaps... As the two starts heading down, and it's heading down a mountain, I'll just put it in neutral and coast down. Because I know someone had done that. She made it to the top of the mountain, ran out of gas, because she was very, very good at preparing for potentially life-threatening things. And uh, just coasted the fucker down in neutral, and she was fine. Uh, she was a little shaken up, but she was fine. So I figured, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, flawed logic, I know, but... So anyway, my reserve lights on and I'm just watching the fucking miles rack up because this this back road to get to the two is is 26 30 miles and the light turned on at 110 and I'd only ever really gotten 116 and that's uh that's concerning so I uh definitely was getting nervous and I was experiencing the sensation of 
loss of control and all that shit that I fucking hate. And, um, I'm just climb, still going. Fucking mountain is going up and I'm following the road. And for some reason, bike's not, not stalling, not running out of gas. It's not even sputtering. I was leaning into turns too, fucking fine. And, uh, cause normally when you're running low on gas, if you like put a serious lean or throw a shoulder into a turn, you're going to fucking potentially sputter and lose the, uh, lose the engine. Like engine will turn off because the gas is shaking around and sloshed away from where it would go in the tank, which is when it's upright. All right. So I'm looking at it and I'm looking at my fucking mileage and it's 100, 116, 120, 125, 126. And I was like, what the fuck? And I thought that maybe my my pedometer or speedometer or whatever the fuck, the odometer, the odometer was fucking up. Like maybe the odometer's wrong. But it's digital. And I was it was a brand new bike, so I didn't I don't think it was wrong. Um it had been a hundred miles for sure since Mojave, and the numbers made sense. But what didn't make sense was that I still uh, the bike was still moving. I still hadn't run out of gas. That's what didn't make any sense. So, okay, I'm I'm going, and it's just like, I'm not going to question a good thing. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to have to restart the bike. I'm just going to keep going, fucking straight shot it. Um, I didn't change my, like I said, I kept my riding style consistent, which was riding like a douche. And um, I got to the top of the hill. You got to be fucking kidding me. So 136 miles on the tank. And I'd never put more than, at most, 120. 116 was more realistic, but 120. Um, 120 ran out a block away from a gas station when I did that. So I'm at 136 now. And sure, you can argue that the majority of the early miles were highway miles. So that's going to fuel efficiency. It's going to save on that. True. I've thought about every possible way that this could have been explained by logic, and this is past me. So it's it's another fucking it's a hefty amount of a, a chunk of travel time going down the two back into Los Angeles. I think it was another 25, 30 miles. And so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be able to coast downhill. At least I can coast to a ranger station and be near my bike when it's out of gas. That's something. And um, it was kind of the home stretch. I was like, if I run out of gas now, so be it. Like, I know where I am. This is, I might even have cell phone service. I look, no cell phone service. Um... So I hadn't turned the bike off. It was idling. Kick it into first. Fucking no problems. Engine sputters. It's nothing though. It doesn't, doesn't stall. doesn't falter. just keeps going. Son of a bitch. So I was not about to question a fucking a good thing or, you know, look a gift horse up its ass or whatever. And uh, I had this weird feeling when I was on the two that I was, uh, I was like packing a passenger. A weird feeling. I couldn't explain it. I just thought I was tired. Just thought I was superstitious. I, I don't know what it was. I just felt weird and I was in a weird mood. So I'm just watching my fucking mileage because I just had the screen on my uh, my speedometer switched over to the odometer and I was just watching the miles rack up and it was uh, 140, 142, 143. It was like any time now. And the red light had been on the entire time, which means I was on a half gallon reserve tank. Half gallon. Um couldn't explain it. So I uh, kept going and I was getting closer and closer. I could see the city. I could smell the shit air and the stank of fucking 
all your dreams dying. And I'm riding down the hill, and fucking, it passed 150 on the odometer, 150 miles. So I was substantial amount over my average for miles per gallon, and I couldn't explain it. And I was still riding like a dick. I don't think I took it past third gear. Um, <laughs> fucking ripping my pipes at cars and shit, just which also for those of you that don't know, when you make really loud noises with the engine, it burns gasoline like a motherfucker. So when bikers fucking rev their engine at you, they're spending money to tell you to get the fuck out of the way. Not much money, but doesn't matter. So I was still riding like a douche, like a proper douche. And um, so I figured that I was going to die any second now. Not I was going to die, but the bike was going to die and run out of gas at any point, and I'm just preparing for it. Like, all right, I'm just going to be ready to bring in the clutch so that the rear end doesn't seize up or whatever weird shit happens when you run out of gas going down a mountainside, which with my luck it would be uh, I'd fucking fall off the high side and then go over the mountain. But for anybody else, they'd probably just coast to a stop. <laughs> I have terrible luck. Well, I, so I thought I had terrible luck. And so I'm riding it, keep still going, looking down. 155, 156. Are you fucking kidding me? And uh, just keeps going. And I'm almost almost at the end of the road. And so the fucking, the two, it doesn't really dead end, but it turns residential. So the two turned residential. And I was within a mile of a gas station. And the bike was still, the engine was still on. And I was still in gear, and it was still running. So, it's, <laughs> I'm going down the hill. I'm going down the two, coming into, uh, it goes into La Cunada City in, in California. It's what the place is called. And so, I couldn't explain it. And I um, got to a light at the entrance, like the main drag of La Cunada. I got to the, the intersection there, and the fucker was still going. I stopped. I was turning. When I made the left turn to the light, I was turning straight into a gas station. And so the light turned green. I start going. I kept going. I turned into the fucking gas station. I pulled up to a pump, and the motherfucker died. At the pump. 160-some miles on it, on the tank, which I I couldn't explain. And um, I felt weird about it, so I texted my girlfriend and told her, or I called her, I don't remember, I may have just spoken to her when I got home, but the way I remember it, I told her what had happened, and then I I verbalized it. I said that, you know, I couldn't explain what happened, but I should have run out of gas on the road just now, but I didn't. And I think it was a text message, and she texted me back saying, glad you didn't, see you, and I'm home already, see you when, when you get here. And as I was thinking, I said it, I started thinking, like, what the fuck, how could I, how could that have happened? And I couldn't logically explain because I hadn't been riding conservatively I hadn't gotten gas since the Mojave and it had, been, it had been the amount of miles that it said it was and it was hard terrain I was in lower gears paddling back and forth between the low gears I, I couldn't explain it I had no explanation for it whatsoever so I fucking got back on my bike reset the odometer and I started thinking that my buddy, I mentioned earlier in the episode that my best friend died on the two. Uh, my best friend died on the two when he ran out of gas. So he got creamed by a car trying to run across the freeway when he got, he ran out of gas on the two. And uh, I lost my shit. I didn't really lose my shit, but I got all choked up when I fucking put that together. Because it was the only thing that made sense. And I'm not, 
I'm really not a believer in anything, but um, that was the one instance, I think, where I can definitely believe that there was something at work. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was... It could have just been all the weird fucking... I want to say that it was all the weird shit that just worked out in the most favorable way possible. Like, the wind conditions were perfect, and I had a breeze to my back, and... You know, the way that the sun was angled on my gas tank, it didn't evaporate as much as it could have. I mean, it could have been any number of those things, but the point is, I couldn't explain it with anything except for that. I had to really search for an excuse to make a scientific explanation, but I didn't have to search that hard to make one that was more of a spiritual one. And it took me, uh, it took me years to come to terms with, with that story. I only told... I think I only told my girlfriend and maybe one of my close friends, but that was it. I, I couldn't tell the story without getting choked up. I couldn't tell the story without having a response. And uh, even like now, I'm kind of getting choked up. But that's my uh, my supernatural road story. And I appreciate you guys for for listening and sitting through it. I know I, I sometimes tell a bit of a rambling story. Um but I, I kind of wanted to share that one with you for a while, and I think this is a good episode to do it. And if you want to uh, go on that road, <laughs> you can do so. It connects from the 210, and it's called the 2, a.k.a. the Angeles National Crest Highway, which is a truly beautiful road that takes you to some very scenic or terrible places. Um, yeah. So, on that note, I'm out of time, but I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning back in. I'm going to be on vacation here pretty soon, so it might be some radio silence for me for a while. I'm going to try to record a few more episodes today and stagger the releases so that uh, you guys won't forget about me while I'm gone. Uh, my separation anxiety and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to go shoot myself after telling that story, but thank you very much. This has been another ad-free episode of Anthology of Horror. If you would be so kind, please... Rate me five stars on the iTunes store so that I can tell my mom I'm doing something with my life still. And also, as I said, I am finally growing up and I have a domain name and a pseudo website for this podcast, and that is anthologyofhorror.com. That is, once again, anthologyofhorror.com. And I can be reached at springheeljack at anthologyofhorror.com. Once again, my email address, my corporate email address, springheeledjack at anthologyofhorror.com. And I also, thanks to several requests, have gotten off my fucking ass and made a Patreon account. If you'd be so inclined to toss a couple bucks my way for the ad-free listening experience, I would be extremely grateful. And there are going to be, I would imagine, bonus features coming up or episodes on request if you guys donate. I can... I can go anyway. If you guys have suggestions about what you'd like to purchase with fucking membership plans, I am totally willing and ready to discuss options and negotiate terms. But, uh, you know, it would be much appreciated. And I think the Patreon link is on myanthologyofhorror.com. If not, it's probably just patreon.com slash anthologyofhorror. I'm not terribly good at computers, but uh, I think that's... I think I made it as simple as possible because I'm an idiot. So, I appreciate you guys for sticking around, and thank you for sitting through this uh, kind of awkward, like, rebranding and re 
upping on equipment phase that I've been going through. Uh, I think it's it's going to continue to get better as long as I have your constructive criticism and feedback still. And I look forward to improving, um, you know, a little bit every time for you guys so I can provide a better listening experience with more fun shit and more spooky stories. So I will talk to you soon. And I look forward to hearing from you guys. Please don't hesitate to email me. But in the meantime, uh, stay spooky.